This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, my feline-loving friends. This is Linda Hall, your co-host of 19 Cats and Counting. And we have got Dr. Rachel Geller on with us today. She is all about cats, which you know is what we love. And there's no time to tell you everything she's in. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, I will fill you in. You do not want to miss this. Dr. Geller covers pretty much all areas of cathood. We'll be right back. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. I am your co-host, Linda Hall, here with my BFF slash business partner slash work wife, according to my husband slash, I don't know, whatever, (laughs) emotional support. Yeah. Rita, hi. Well, I'm here battling with, uh, when you guys see the video, you'll see, I am battling with Dexter. He always likes to try to rearrange how my screen looks and my focus Uh here. Yeah. He's just the best, so, though. Did you, are you aware that Dr. Rachel Geller, ED.D, is the founder and president of All Cats All the Time, perfect name, which is a 501c3, so we need to talk about that. I know. Dedicating I to promoting the adoption of cats. Well, okay. And she's certified as a cat behavior and retention specialist. I love I've that. I've never heard that retention part. I like that. A humane education specialist. Another one we need to talk about. Pet Chaplain, I want to hear about this. Fear Free Shelter Specialist, American Association of Feline Practitioner. Is it over yet? I'm still reading. Practitioners, cat friendly veterinary advocate, and Red Rover reader, cat behaviorist for cat animal shelters all over the world. She helps animal shelters, including working with doctors, training, training, shelter volunteers, and instituting surrender prevention programs, and provides individual cat behavior help to cat parents. Well, let's bring her on and find out Dexter. if she's awake enough to go. do this in addition to everything else, shall we? Sounds good to me. I'm right here. <laughs> I'm raring to go. Oh, my goodness. You're a busy lady, Dr. Keller. I am. As you said, I'm all cats all the time. I love yeah, it. I love that because that's our motto, too, especially with I have 18 cats now, not 19. Linda has 11 cats and a chihuahua. Yeah, that poor chihuahua. She's very confused. <laughs> she doesn't know what she is having is. an identity problem. I'm She's sure. having a major identity problem. She even sat in the litter box one day. She didn't know what to do once she was in there. I tried to bribe her, like use it. I live in Ohio. There's snow out there. Use the litter box, but no, she just yeah, she wouldn't do that. Very well. I'm sitting through a snowstorm right now as we speak here in here in the lovely Boston area. Yes. 
So I noticed you were interested in the cat behavior in retention. Yes. Absolutely. I never heard retention on the end of that. So I would love to talk about that. Please. I can take the floor. You okay. certainly can. Thank you. Because this is one of my main missions in life is I never want there to be a financial barrier preventing people from keeping their cats in their homes when the reason for surrender may be a behavioral issue. So my focus is really on surrender prevention. And what I do individually, but also helping shelters is trying to help shelters look at um, surrenders with a new lens, looking at a new perspective in the world of sheltering. So for example, somebody calls the shelter and they say, my cat is peeing all over the place. The old way of thinking might be, hmm, I don't know if we can really take this cat in. I mean, this could be a problem. Will this cat be able to be adopted out? Can we handle this? And so perhaps you might say to the caller, well, we can put you on a wait list. Have you tried these other shelters, et cetera? Now, what I'm trying to work on getting shelters to move towards is now we can say to the caller, that sounds so frustrating. I'm really sorry that your cat is peeing all over the place, but I'm so glad that you called our shelter because we can provide free cat behavior counseling to work with you so that you can keep your cat. And we know that most of these problems are fixable and we can provide a free cat behaviors to work with you to resolve this problem so you can keep your cat. And that is where the retention piece comes in. So not only working with cat behavior, but working so that cats stay in their homes and this really saves two lives, right? So that cat can stay in the home that she already has, and that frees up a spot in a shelter for a cat who is truly homeless. So not only do I work with individuals, but I work with shelters, helping them to set up their own cat behavior and retention programs. And I do this all completely free of charge. I love oh, this. Rachel, That's love what you. we're about too, is retention and making sure yes. that owners have the tools to keep their cat in their home. Yes. We just filed for our 501c3. So we're, we're trying excited. to be able to do more work and help because yeah, you know, you get into it. Like we're all about cats. We started a cat, um, cats only sitting business, pet sitting business, ran over 17 and a half years. We loved it, but we were like behavior, behavior. And so then we're like, okay, that's it. We're shifting gears into behavior. And then we're seeing all of the other things, especially in the time of the pandemic, people who can't yes. afford stuff, people who are dying and their cats are being left orphaned. You know, that's we're seeing so much of this. And, and I said, my own parents are 81 and dad'll be 83 in a few weeks. And, you know, I said, they're living on pension and social security. If their cat gets diabetes at $150 a vial of insulin, what do they do? Right. So this is amazing that you're doing this and helping not just when the problem hits, but helping them from getting to the shelter. Mm -hmm. Oh, that is amazing. So do you just go out to all these shelters and say, we're here, reach out if you have this need? So I do a lot of conferences and seminars where my presentation or my topic will be helping shelters how to set up their own cat behavior and retention program. And I have a whole presentation and PowerPoint lecture that I go through, and I really guide them through the steps of how to put that together. I mean, it sounds very daunting, I think, to a lot of shelters, especially many of them are all volunteer. So I have a whole program where I go through it step by step and help people develop their own cat behavior and retention programs. And individually, you know, I work with people who come to me with cat behavior problems, and often they will say to me, you know, they're considering surrendering their cat. And I do feel like 
many people, if the cat has already peed on three sofas or two beds or turned their couch into confetti, they may not want to really spend hundreds of dollars on cat behavior help. You know, they're already at their wit's end. So that's where I find these services are so important because at the end of the day, you know, we want those cats to stay in their homes. And I just think many people aren't aware that these problems are really fixable. You know, we're all aware of dog trainers and almost every shelter has, you know, a dog staff. So really, you know, it's my, like I said, my mission in life to get those people into shelters who are cat behaviorists and, and cat trainers, for lack of a better word, people who help guide cat owners through these problems so we can keep cats and people together. I'm sure that the shelter here could probably use something like that, but I'm, they might be somewhat resistant. How do you address a shelter that might be reluctant to put a program in place because they're afraid they don't have the staff? Yeah. So I have a whole kind of checklist that I go through where when people are resistant or shelters are, are resistant, they try to find out where the resistance is coming from. Is it a financial limitation, a time limitation, a patient's limitation? And I'll find we can always put something together. You know, it may not be perfect. It may be a little bit, you know, on a shoestring or a low budget, but typically I can help people put a program together and any type of program is better than having nothing at all. I'll even help people, you know, I have a lot of videos, for example, on my website. I'll say to shelters, if they're really resistant, just put my website up on your shelter and link to my videos. If somebody can watch one of my videos and get some ideas or, you know, start thinking about how to solve the problem on their own, that right there will give the person hope. And sometimes all a cat owner needs is some hope to know that the problem can be solved. It doesn't always have to be rocket science. Yeah, so true. Yes. We've had, we've had yes. a couple of clients that start in tears, you know, and we're like, yes. we we're like, that just killed me. Did you see her crying? You know, it just breaks your heart. And, and yeah, we get that, you know, if you can't fix this, the cat's gone. But there right. are so many, I, I did the math one day, probably probably sick of hearing this number, but I looked at how many cats are surrounded to US shelters and then what percentage are for behavior. And it came up 134,400 cats are surrendered to U.S. shelters every year for behavior problems only. Yeah. It's the second most common reason aside from cost. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, you know, and that's not including the private shelters and the cats that just got the boot out the door, right? This is just, you know, rescue U.S. US shelters as opposed to private rescues. 134,400. I mean, yeah, we got to do something. And I'm just thinking, you know, if, if, rescues would go through your seminar and then reach out on their local Facebook pages and say, is there a behaviorist in the area that would, that would be willing to donate some of their time, right? Absolutely. Here I am. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Honestly, there are even resources. Well, for example, many of my presentations are recorded. So people can always find my presentations and be able to follow those instructions and set up a program. But even like the Humane Society has a step-by-step guide on their website of how to set up a basic cat behavior and retention program. So there are free resources out there. And you're right, there's chances are there's a a behaviorist or a vet tech who, who may say, you know, I'd be willing to donate a few hours every week to a shelter. Many times you just have to ask. If you don't ask, people don't know. Yes. Yeah. As you were talking, I was like, call FFRC and call. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're in two different cities, so we could tackle two well, different exactly, areas. Yeah. You've got South Carolina where it's in the 70s, by the way, Dr. Keller. Oh, very nice. Seventy six. Is we freeze in Boston and Ohio? Hey, I grew up in Buffalo. I did my time. 
I want out of it. I want out of it. I grew up in Maine, so I didn't really do much better. And to both of you, and I really mean it, if your respective shelters would like to reach out and talk to me, I'm happy to speak with both of them and and, um, start them off on the right paw, so to speak. Thank you. I would appreciate that. And then, yeah, I would definitely be willing to donate some of my time to work, especially in the age of Zoom. I mean, you don't even have to put real pants on, right? You just, you know... (laughs) Don't tell her. (laughs) (laughs) That commercial when the guy gets up to get his his coffee and you see his underwear. (laughs) You know, a lot of time we become marriage counselors too, because people come to us where one person wants to solve a problem. The other person's like, the cat's out of here. So yeah, there's been a few instances where we've kind of had the pressure of we're saving a marriage too. Yes. There are many times where, you know, one family member or the girlfriend or the boyfriend or, you know, one of the spouses, they can feel very differently. You know, one person desperately wants to keep the cat. Typically it's the person who brought the cat into the relationship and the other person, you know, doesn't want to sit on one more wet spot on the couch or deal with any more behavior problems, whatever they are. And it is true. Many times I spend just as much time bringing everybody on board as I do solving the behavior problem. But what I do find is that, you know, many times once the more resistant person in the, in the relationship or the family is assured that the problem can be solved, I can usually get them to come around. And, you know, that brings up another point too, because sometimes in my, in my mind, I'm thinking, just dump the boyfriend. I know. Yes. yes. So sometimes, yes. You know, but at the end of the day, I want them both on my side. So I have to really take my feelings sometimes out of it and be there for both people. And it is hard, but you know, it's, it's very important to be non-judgmental, empathetic to both people and both points of view and to really work with everybody involved. Linda's good at that. I'm not so good at yeah. <laughs> well, they do. You try to put yourself in there. Like one couple that we had, you know, they're in love. They're Which dating, one? Everything's great. I know. <laughs> He's moving in with her. He brings his lifelong cat who is About his soul one. and his heart. You know, you know which one. And the I cat know. starts peeing on things. And this woman, it was her home first. It's beautiful. She takes amazing care of it. Everything is to the nines. And, you know, we're soaking into subflooring here. You know, she's freaking out. So I got it. She's mad. Didn't want to be on the Zoom call. Didn't want anything to do with it. I get it. She's mad. This monster came into my house and destroyed it. But it's like, we got to stop and reframe this and realize that if we can fix it and all can be happy, because my biggest worry is- It was is, two okay, cats. And well, yeah, she wanted one, right? No, no he, he was had both. You're right. You're right. You're right. Because he right, wanted us right. to take the two. And I'm like, I, I, I already have I 18. Know. I can't do yeah. that. Yeah. But you know, if he gives up the cat, this is my concern. If he gives up his cat, he's going to resent her on some level. It's just like getting married and having stepkids, right? Like this kid's driving me nuts. I'd like to kick him out, but this means bad news for my marriage. So, you know, I want people to work together to try to achieve that harmony, right? Otherwise there's going to be resentment. Right. We need to get everybody on the same page. And I think you know, like, as you pointed out already, you know, with the kind of joking about being a marriage counselor, but it is true, <laughs> providing hope and providing optimism and being positive are so important in getting everybody on board. And, and really, you know, a lot of that is, is part of the whole process, you know, that whole empathy and understanding and, and being there and getting it, you know, sometimes if I just say to the resistant person, I understand cat pee is really smelly. Oh, it's awful. And when, you know, but when they know that you understand and you get it, it really goes a long way. So it is really important to sort of, you know, get both people involved and be understanding to both people, even though it can be hard, 
But, you know, we, we need to do that because our ultimate goal is to have it work for the cat to stay in her home. And you know, another thing I do is explain that a lot of times a person who isn't the original cat person thinks the cat's misbehaving or the cat is bad and sort of educating people that cats don't think in terms of right or wrong the way we do. Cats don't deliberately misbehave. If the cat isn't using her litter box, it's because something or someone, right, there's a reason in her mind that's preventing her from using it. And she's trying to solve the problem as a cat, not as a person. And that piece is very important to get the more resistant family member or spouse or, you know, significant other on, on board with the whole process. Yes. You, know, you are singing our song. Is she like our person? Like, we, yes. she's totally, yes. For Somebody sure. recently asked me something about something to the extent of cats never show shame for the things they do wrong. A dog will, but a cat won't. And I wrote back and said, and somebody said that's because cats don't care. And I said, it's because the cat didn't do anything wrong, right. according to the cat. Right. In the cat's <laughs> mind, this is a perfectly reasonable solution to a problem. The dog doesn't feel shame either. He's he's scared because he knows he's going to get right. yelled at. Dog's feeling yeah. fear. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And, and I, oh, I upset my alpha. But yeah, the cat's exactly. Like, I don't know what you're getting upset about. What's wrong with you? Right. Right. Like, the cat said, "Oh, I I solved this problem brilliantly. <laughs> What's your problem? I had a need. I fixed it. What right. is your problem? Right. right. Yes. Exactly. And I and I think that that's key because if you go into it with the mindset that this is a bad cat, a jerk cat. The cat hates me. The cat peed on my pillow on purpose. It's kind of hard to do good work and try to solve your cat's problem when you think he's just this giant jerk that hates your guts, right? <laughs> yes, that's just not going to be good for anybody. And this whole thing where, you know, a cat pees out of spite. Right. Out of revenge. I mean, I just hear these tales of, whoa, you know, she peed on my bed to get back at me. She peed on my luggage because she's mad at me. She peed on my boyfriend's shoes because she doesn't like my new boyfriend. Well, maybe that one could maybe. be. Maybe. Yeah. Which Keep an eye a- on that one. Yeah. Put a pin in that. Actually, we did kind of see that one. Cats don't pee out of spite. Cats don't <laughs> pee out of revenge. And right, that's. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. My parents had a problem one year. They wintered in Florida and my mom called me and said, I'm worried about Jazzy's life. Your dad's losing it because he keeps peeing on our bed. They had him for years. He's never done that before. I said, did you switch litters recently? Yeah, we moved to something that was lighter for your dad. Put it back. Problem solved. That easy. I mean, I wish they were all that easy. (laughs) Bills in the mail. A lot of them really are. You know, take the cover off. Don't have the litter box in the closet. You know, don't have it in the basement. Many times, literally like... A couple of sentences. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't I make was, this yeah. 15-year-old cat go up two stories to go to the bathroom because that's not going to happen. Or in the exactly. basement. I understand wanting to keep that smell in your basement, but your 15-year-old arthritic cat is dying going up and down their stairs and may just decide it's easier to relieve themselves here, right? Yeah. 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 Much more convenient. Yes, exactly. We have to take a little break to hear from our awesome sponsors, but we'll be right back with Dr. Rachel Geller. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. 
That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And we're back with 19 Cats and Counting, my co-host Linda Hall and the awesome Dr. Rachel Geller, who's all about the cat. I want to know about being a pet chaplain. Yes. So as a cat behaviorist, and when I'm working with clients over a period of time, I was experiencing a couple of things. Number one, if sometimes if a case would go on for two to three years, sometimes cases are very difficult. Sometimes people need a lot of handholding. There were times that a cat might die in the process. And the other thing that I found happening was I would solve a problem. And several years later, somebody would write to me and say, I just want to let you know, you helped me so much. Fluffy passed away. And so I decided that I didn't want the relationship to end, or I didn't want to not be there for these people when they may need care and comfort when they lost their their beloved cat. So I decided to become certified as a pet chaplain. And what that is, is I do provide pastoral care and comfort. And I am with people on that journey of grief as they need me. And it's been really a nice addition to what I already do, because it's another tool in the toolkit when I'm working with people. You know, cats do have such short lifespans that invariably a cat would pass away while I'm working with people or, you know, like I said, sometimes after and somebody just wanted to let me know. And the idea that I would just say or not know what to say or just say something kind of trite, I felt like I had a relationship and a bond with these people. You know, they cared enough to want to reach back out and let me know. I wish I knew you when I lost my Sadie. <sighs> right, because it's such a difficult experience. And many people go through that feeling where they people don't seem to understand. Yes. You know, they'll hear like it's just a cat. Or, you know, when you lose a person, there's kind of like a playbook, for lack of a better term. People know what to do. You go to the wake, you go to the visiting hours, there's cards, there's protocols, there's policies that you follow. You get a certain amount of bereavement days from your work. You know, we all know what to do when someone loses a human. When someone loses a cat, not so much. People don't know what to do. And cat owners who have lost a cat often experience what's called disenfranchised grief. They're feeling their grief, but their grief isn't recognized. Yes. That's why I wrote my book, Sadie's Heart, because I went through that and there was nobody. There was nothing out there about You could have gone into the office the next day. You were in bed in horrible grief for I went and did my pet sits and I came and went back to bed and cried. Did you not read the book? Yeah, I did. It was traumatizing (laughs) and I cried so much. I try not to think about it. Thanks for bringing it up. I was also working for Richard Simmons at the time and he called me every day, every day to try to get me up out of bed. He was like the only one who really understood. Well, he loved his dog. So we love our, yeah, exactly. Well, and then there's the, the following problems too, of when do I adopt another cat? I see that a lot with people like, is it rude to my cat to adopt another cat now? Or people having guilt, a cat passes and they've got another cat and they feel guilty loving on the remaining cat because the first one is gone. And it's a very personal decision. I always tell people there's there's no right or wrong. When you adopt a new cat, you're certainly not replacing the cat that you had. The heart has an amazing ability to expand. So you're not replacing. Your heart is expanding to include more love. Many times if people 
you know, I try to feel it out, you know, which way are they leaning towards? If they really want to adopt a cat, I'll often say to them, and I really do believe this, you know, what a lovely legacy to the cat who you just lost, that you're going to save another life. You know, your cat that you just lost, that cat hit the jackpot, you know, when he found you, right? You were a loving, beautiful home. You gave that cat everything. How lovely to now go out and do that for another life that needs to be saved. That needs That's to be this guy. And it, yes, exactly. Well, mm. it's a compliment to the cat that passed. Someone said that you know, I was widowed in 2002. And when I got remarried in 2004, I had all these feelings. I got it. The guilt of him. I feel like I'm cheating on Dan, right? We were married 12 years. Now I'm with this other guy, you know, but I'm not dead. I was in my thirties when he passed. It was really rough. And someone said to me that that was the best compliment to Dan, that my marriage was so wonderful that I was missing that and wanted right. that again. Your marriage was so wonderful that the, in the experience, was so fulfilling that you wanted to be married again. Exactly. Yes. That's just a lovely way to look at it. It is personal and people have to, you know, there is no right or wrong. There's no timeline. You know, I know we often put these timelines, you know, well, you get three bereavement days. <laughs> right. <laughs> but over in three days. Better now after that third day. But in reality, that's not the way it works, whether it's a person or a cat. So, you know, when you feel ready and you're able to give to that new cat, you know, and you you feel, I think it's a beautiful thing to adopt another cat, but there are other people who feel like they need to wait and that's okay too. You know, I do a lot of listening and I try to just be with them on their journey and provide pastoral care as they need it. That's a what wonderful an amazing thing. gift. I'd never heard of that before. Had you read Me that? neither. I, I saw that and I was like, I need to know about this. What is this? That was because, one of the yeah. things that made me want to contact you. One of many things is I saw that. I said, that is something I've never heard. Yes. Of. And it's needed. Yeah. Perhaps we should explore that, over. Linda. Yeah. I was thinking that. Yeah. It's through the Association of Veterinary Pastoral Education. And if you just Google Pet Chaplain, it'll come up. Yeah, it's a wonderful program. I I think we would both enjoy it, even if you don't end up practicing. I think you would enjoy going through the program and just having that confidence and comfort that you know you'll be able to do the right thing because it can be difficult. And those tools do work in it. During the pet sitting, Linda, how many did we lose? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And everybody. And it's so hard because, you know, you're right when a person dies, you know, there's the there's the days at the funeral home and the people coming to give you the support and people are dropping off casseroles. I think there's still some in the freezer from 2002. It was a lot of casseroles, <laughs> but, um, and, and so you, you know, have a 17 year old son, I don't think there's then, any. Yeah, stuff. probably not. Really <laughs> you don't eat anything that'll hold still on it from to stab it. And, um, and then, you know, and then you, you know, you've got the funeral and you've got your time and then you're supposed to start playing, you know, you it's a process that helps yeah. you. No, what's coming? your cat and you walk out of this room and you're just so empty, you know, and what somebody, now? Somebody actually said to me after I lost Sadie and I had six cats at that time. Well, you have five others. Well, okay. So you have six children and one dies. Well, you have five others, right? Same thing. Exactly. Right. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that you know, one thing I've learned in my, in my years is I always try to consider a person's intent. So I'm sure that person wasn't intending to hurt you, right? That person just didn't know what to say and thought perhaps that would give you some comfort. And this is why having pet chaplains is so important because people aren't going to know what to say. 
people don't know how to react to the grief over the loss of a beloved pet. And so knowing that there's someone there that you can turn to that can really be there for you, guide you through the through the process, let you take the time that you need, it's critical, really. Yes. When I lost my husband, I was in therapy. And yeah, there isn't anybody for your animals, you know. No. Yeah. Which is again why I wrote the book. Back then, nobody talked about this. Exactly. Speaking of books, you have a book out, Dr. Rachel Geller. Tell us about Saving the World One Cat at a Time. So my book, yes, Saving the World One Cat at a Time was a labor of love. It's a little bit of what I call an instructional memoir. It talks a little bit about how I got to the point, this point where where I am today. And then it really dives deep into cat behavior and um, programs and how to I provide easy to implement solutions for basic cat behavior problems. And the other thing about my book is I donate 100% of the proceeds from book sales to cat shelters. I love that. Buys my book, not only will they learn about cats, but they'll be helping cats. Yes, that's wonderful. And that's pretty much how you have to look at it. You know, read it just like we have an end goal of getting a shelter for seniors and unadoptable cats. You know, the cats that we tend to adopt, the FIV positive, the semi-feral. The three-legged ones and the 16-year-old whose owners died. I've got some of those. Yeah. And she said, you know, I wish we had it open. I just saw with everything that's going, I just saw there's a couple cats here. And I said, there's always going to be cat, right? Like always, even if we had it open and we scooped up those cats, we'd be at capacity and you'd be going, but there's no, those we're cats, be right? full. The first day we open Sadie's Heart Cat Sanctuary and Outreach will be full, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yes, yes. And then yes. what? Yes. I feel like the shelters are always full and the wallets are always empty. It's just a, a continuous. It's true. Yes. It's true. So I <laughs> like one cat at a time. Yes. Down here. Here, there's a. I live in a very small town, Lancaster, South Carolina, and there's things in place to get the kittens adopted, but nothing for the adult cats. And a lot of times, they either just sit in the shelter forever, or they they die, they languish away. Like the two I I adopted were, they weren't going to be euthanized, but they were going to die of a broken heart. Those are the cats we want. The ones nobody, you know, I'm the one who walk into the shelter and go, who pees. I want right? that cat. I want the cat that somebody <laughs> brought in because it keeps peeing on their pillow. Where's that mm-hmm. cat? Put it, put it in the carrier. <laughs> so funny. And I'm the one who says, give me the cats with the behavior problems that, yep. that bite and attack and, you know, that nobody else wants. So it's good. It's yes. good. Give yes. me the cat nobody wants. Yeah. Good thing that we're out here. Say. <laughs> yeah. They usually find us before we have a chance to look for them. But yes, if I was going in. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think number 12 would mean divorce for me at this point. But, you know, we're trying. (laughs) I don't think so. I mean, you don't want to test it, but I don't think so. No, but I don't want to push him either. He's been awfully sweet as we've grown (laughs) from, no, I don't want cats. I hate cats was the beginning of our marriage. One, only one, one. And then it was one, only one. And then it was like, well, they suggest two, two, only two. (laughs) And then when you brought that kitten home, he said, why didn't we get a kitten before? These are fun. <laughs> you were just like a cat behaviors. You were presenting things to your husband gradually and incrementally. You did it perfectly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Then we, my daughter and I started volunteering at a shelter and we just kept coming home, talking about a cat. And one day he just said, fine, one cat, but just one. And we were looking for flying pigs and we're like, and now he's always got a cat on his lap and Kismet sleeps on his hip at night and he had to roll over last night. And I heard him saying, careful, Kismet, I got to roll over and like moving him slowly. And I'm like, Aww. You hate cats. Yeah. He's smitten. He is. He is. Well, in all honesty, four of your cats belong to Nikki. Yes. 
Yes. Her daughter had to move yes. back in after um, her husband passed from COVID. Yeah. So yeah. Linda had to blend her seven cats with Nikki's four. Yeah. So it was fun. That's when I needed every behaviorist in the world on speed diet. That was really ugly for a little bit there. But we did it. And it's doable. It is doable. Introductions, you know, are very possible, even in a multi-cat household. You just need to have the proper structure and the proper process. And not only are introductions very possible, reintroductions are possible. You can always walk it back with cats who aren't getting along and reintroduce them as if they've never met. So right. yes, nothing is ever hopeless. Exactly. Yes. It was ugly, but it was, we made it through. <laughs> it was just a lot of stress and pressure. Well, and you got to remember the two that the cats, you know, I said the cats were grieving Sebastian, you know, he disappeared for 26 days while he was in the hospital. And then when he passed, my daughter just starts loading him up and bringing him over here. Then what, like, what is going Where on? Where is dad? Why are we at grandma's? Right? Like what is right. going on? Right. Well, from your perspective, you knew what was going on, but from the cat's perspective, suddenly their whole world was turned upside down. So all perfectly natural when you think about it. That's the way people need to think. They need to put themselves in the cat's position and look out of their eyes and how are they seeing the situation? Yes. Go cat's eye view with this. Even when you bring a new cat home, you know, people will call me up and say, the cat doesn't like me. I've returned this cat. She's not coming to me. And I'll say, you know, if somebody put you in a cage yes. in a car and drove you to a strange place and locked you in a room to put in perspective, you'd be calling the police. So right. right. Give the cat a little bit of time. Sure. Yes. And you don't speak the language. It's not like they can tell you, listen, you're just here for a little while. Everything's fine. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's right. no, right. it's just boom. And who are these aliens and what is happening? Yes. And we don't know, especially with a cat that's adapted from a shelter. We don't know what they've been through. Often we don't know. We don't. You could be the best home in the world, but if you're the fifth placement that cat has had in maybe a couple of weeks, you know, maybe the cat's been outside. Then maybe a foster home. Then maybe a shelter. It's possible the cat was adopted and returned. You know, by the time that cat gets to you, it's been probably been through a lot of different environments and he doesn't know and isn't sure that this is going to be the last stop. You know, his life has been one thing after the next. So that was my Rosie. She had been in two homes, had been in the shelter twice and was about to be returned to the shelter the third time when I took her. She's so lovely. She's the best kitty. But it took a few years, a couple of years for her to fully settle in. Yeah. She just it does. Yeah. Look. Yeah. yeah. People don't realize it takes the average cat three weeks to kind of decompress and three months to really feel comfortable. And that's a cat with oh, no, nice. not all the baggage that you right. have. You know, right. People exactly. expect the cat to be fine, like in the next couple of days. And I know someone you may get lucky. Some cats are like that, right? Just like some people, you know, some people can walk into a room and not know anybody. And by then the end of the night, like they're the mayor of the room and they're very outgoing and they've made all kinds of friends. Or some people are like me. If I walk into a room and I don't know anybody, I'm happy to stand in the corner with my glass of wine and just... That's me. Yeah, Linda's out there the circulating. Things. I'm in the corner. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Well, I, I tell people cats have to size you up and decide whether you are predator, prey, or part of my social structure. And just like you said, just with people, there are people that can, I kind of have one of those things where I just, I'll meet somebody and I'll just be like, I love them. We need to do coffee, right? Or eh, whatever, you know, some cats are like that. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you smell okay. Yeah, yeah, Dexter was friend. easy. And Dexter, then, oh, Dexter was, real was so easy. easy. But then other cats need time to really feel comfortable in a strange place. And they do. Yes. We need to respect their individual differences. And not knowing what they've come through. Rita, 
picked up a cat on the streets of LA one year. Uh, oh, smoky. smoky. Yes. Beautiful Russian blue. And she put up all these I signs. Still have them. signs. Yes. Yes. The signs kept disappearing and a neighbor finally called her and said, I know whose cat it is. I'm not telling you keep the cat. They keep tossing him out. So, <laughs> and he's just the perfect cat. Rachel, if, if you told me that cat did anything wrong, I wouldn't believe you. He's no, just, he's just wonderful. <laughs> I come and stay with Rita for weeks at a time. And I have never seen Smokey do anything me even neither. remotely naughty. No, um, he's never just perfect. But one day her friend Iris was over and she was putting her shoes on and she dangled her shoelaces to play with him. And Smokey freaked out, ran, hid under bed, didn't come out forever. So we were like, someone threw shoes. probably got kicked or thrown a shoe at or, you or know, both. All these yeah. years later, that's still there. And it's, you know, freak out time. Yeah, I yeah. don't dangle shoelaces anymore. Yeah. No, 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 no. yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. He's 14, 14 now. He's 14. Wow. Yeah. He's such a good kid. And you can relate to that as people. You know, there were probably things that happened in your childhood. I know I have. And oh, yeah. It was certain things that stay with you. And, they and, do. And our cats are very much the same way. You know, and that can be, you know, a plus and a minus. I think people do tend to place human feelings and emotions onto our cats. But on the flip side, our cats do really share many uh, no, of they our do. emotions and feelings. Yes, yes exactly. They really do. Yes. They really do. We're out of time. Oh, I hate that. We're gonna we could go Dr. on Rachel and on. Sometime. Yes, because there's a lot. Before yeah. we, we wrap up and, and give Dr. Rachel a chance to talk about her websites, who's behind you, Dr. Rachel? I see the black tail twitching. You've got to yes. let everyone see. Oh, yes. so sweet. Look at that baby. Isn't so he sweet. precious? He, is. so he, he was another one of those cats who was languishing in the shelter. He had been abused. He was tossed in a dumpster. Oh. And he didn't really like to come up to people too much. And so I took him home and you were talking before about the perfect cat. This cat is also pretty perfect. He has turned into a real lap cat. He loves to sit on my lap when I come in here to do work or, you know, be a guest on a presentation or a webinar or a podcast. He's, you know, he's my trusty assistant back there. I love he's him. Every night. So he's really come a long way. Yes. Now, his name is Elijah. Elijah, I want everybody to take note of that, that, that bad cat that you just can't live with. Look at that lump laying back there, looking all adorable and black and sleek back there. Yes. And he was the cat in the shelter that nobody wanted because he wouldn't come to you or he'd run away from people. He'd run and hide. And he's really, he's, he wanted to love. He just needed to be shown how. Yes, Sometimes yes. those are the deeper bonds too, that you have to work for it. You know, when they finally trust you, they really trust you. Yes. yes. I agree. adopted a cat that was rescued from a feral county. And I guess we call her semi-feral now. Like she can live with you in comfort, but don't try to touch her. And a couple months ago, I finally got that moment. You know, I keep working on it. It's been like four years and she was all over me. And I like, I took a video and I sent it to Rita and I said, could you get in your time machine and tell me? Me two years ago that this cat's a little too clingy <laughs> because get this cat off me right like i thought i would never be able to touch karma ever it was and shockingly just, wonderful it was yes like there were tears yes four oh. years <laughs> and that story yes and that's extreme because she was born and lived feral most of her life but you know the point is with time and patience and yes love, yes Yes. Oftentimes, it's just a matter of time and patience, and you will be richly rewarded. Exactly. Yes. How, can, how can people find you, Dr. Geller? They can go to my website, which is drgellercatbehavior.com. And I have all kinds of information on there. I have videos people can watch. And I also have a submission form. 
So if you do have a cat behavior question, go ahead and fill out the form and submit it. And I will work with you completely free of charge. Oh, that's <sighs> awesome. That is amazing. That's so wonderful. Doing. And Saving the World One Cat at a Time is available on Amazon, I saw. Yes. So, yes. And my website yes. as well. And on your website great. as well. Awesome. Perfect. Okay. That's great. Well, I hate to wrap this up. I, I hope know. you'll come back and be our guest again on a future yes, show. Yes, please, please. And uh, Linda, as always, it's a pleasure. My a best pleasure. friend, my ride or die, Linda Hall. And yes. we have to thank Mark Winter, the yes. owner of Pet Life Radio, who graciously gave us a spot on his website on his podcast we really appreciate it and if you need help besides visiting dr rachel you can also visit catbehavioralliance.com read about the nonprofit we're building the new sanctuary and uh, look at our blogs reach out if you need some help everybody just remember every day is catterday and we'll see you next time let's talk pets every week on demand only on petliferadio.com